from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, uh, it's, good to, it's good to be back. It's good to be here. And um, we're in a series this morning. Uh, we're in a series looking at the messages of Jesus to the church, to the churches in Revelation but I want to take a look. If you've been, how many have been with us for this series? You know, for the most part, online, okay? And if you're watching online right now, um, I can't see if you've put your hand up. Maybe you did. Just in case you don't know. <laughs> you know, there was a time period when COVID first hit. It was just, it was basically like me in the room. Uh, like, like literally just me looking into a camera. And, and everyone's like, we see you. And I'm like, I don't see you. So it's good to see people now. Um, but here's what I want to do is, um, if you've been tracking with us, you'll follow along a little bit. If you haven't, don't worry, that's okay. But I want to take a little bit of a pit stop on this journey. I know we paused last week because we had a guest, um, but I want to take a pit stop this morning. Still on this, but I think there's something in here in this message series that we've been looking at that the Lord is trying to draw our attention to. And I really felt that in my spirit this week as I was kind of prepping for, for today, um, that what we've looked at... Um, that, and we've seen it every week. Every week that we've been looking in this series, this has been there. But I think we need to pause. I think we need to pause on. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 3. And you can also turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. So we're going to jump back and forth a little bit there. Um, uh, Revelation chapter 3. It's in actually, the words we're going to look at is in actually every message that Jesus says to each church. Um, and First Kings chapter 19, we're going to look a little bit there as well. Um, I joined in last week um, online. I'm thankful for uh, Pastor Dave and the word that he brought. I loved Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8. If you were with us and you watched or you were here in, in house, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Because we all know we're in a race, right? We're in a race and it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. My, my boys were just in a cross-country um, competition this past week, uh, along with 11 other schools, and they ran um, in, in this competition in Canatera Park. And I, I wasn't there, but I saw pictures and I saw videos of it, and, and Jody called me right after they had finished the race. And, it, you know, video called me, and so that's what we do now, right? You know, people rarely just call. There's more video calls, a lot more FaceTime. And so she calls me, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking at Joshua, and I can tell that he ran his heart out. Like just by looking at him, his, there's his sweat in his hair, his face is flush, like he raced, and to be honest, I was surprised. Like, I don't know about, like, for those of you who have kids, or, you know, if you're around kids, they tend to give up when things are hard, right? They give up really easy when things are hard, um, especially, we didn't think Joshua was going to race, we're just like, we're, we're, like, Jody and I were talking beforehand, and we just said, well, if he doesn't want to, just don't let him. But I could see it on his face that, that he pushed through, that he endured this race. And, and I don't know about you, I'm not, a, I'm not a marathon runner. Like, I hated cross-country growing up as, as a child. I hated it. The idea of running for long distances, like, just, it does nothing for me. Why, I know people do this for exercise. I'm thinking there's other ways to exercise your body than just, just, just to run. I'm just, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. So in school, I was a sprinter. I'm like, I need to get from point A to point B as fast as I can and then be done and then I can move on, okay? But and my kids are a little bit like that. Well, at least I thought Joshua was and here he is. He's pushed through this race and I saw this video afterwards of, if you know Joshua, he's, 
He's, he's, he's shorter, right? He's, he just turned six the other day, shorter, but he's got little legs, and he was just giving her as hard as he can, enduring this marathon race. And you know what? That's a little bit like the race that we're in. It's not a sprint. It requires endurance. And this is what Jesus marked out for his followers. So when Pastor Dave came last week, and he kind of spoke a little bit about that, about, about finishing well, enduring to finish well, that really resonated with me, with what we've been talking about these past few weeks as we've been studying the seven messages to the churches of Revelation. Because intertwined in everything that Jesus has been saying to these churches is this message speaking to the race. Right? After he kind of gives his encouragement and then his challenge or his warning, he kind of says things like, the one who endures, right? the one who remains faithful, who runs and finishes well, who over, whoever overcomes right, will be blessed. We see that kind of tagged on to the end. He's essentially looking at each church and every church since, our church, Parkway Church, saying you're in a marathon, and it's going to get messy, and it's going to be dark at times, and it's going to be difficult, and some of you are going to want to quit because that's easier. And some of you are going to do what the culture is doing. He says, stop. He says, wake up, right? We've looked at that. And he challenges us to hold fast, to hold fast to him and endure. Because the road that follows the way of Jesus, Jesus tells us, is narrow, and few walk it. And so he's saying this line, and this is where I think we just need to pause and we need to receive. He says this line to every church and every church since. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Like he's saying this message to this church, right? The message to, to the church in Ephesus was for the Ephesians. And he says, whoever has ears, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Right? He's saying, if you're reading this, listen to what the Spirit is saying. If you're reading the book of Revelation, you're reading those messages, listen to what the Spirit is saying. And I just want to pause here today and ask us as followers of Jesus, as Christian people, people who dedicate their life to the way of Christ, what it means to be Christian, that what it means to be a follower of Jesus, are we hearing? Are we hearing what God is saying to his church? Listen, I've said some things. I'm speaking right now. But there's a difference between hearing me say something. There's a difference between hearing a speaker speak and engaging into the, with the Holy Spirit to the level that you are acutely aware of what he's saying to his church. There's a difference between coming and hearing a pastor preach, listening to a sermon online, reading posts that pop up as you, as you scroll through social media, and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in his presence. There's a difference. When I was a kid, my, my dad used to always say this thing to me when I wasn't listening. When I wasn't listening, he used to say, clean out your ears. Have your parents ever say that to you? He's probably listening right now and saying, I did not say that. Yes, you did. I remember as a kid thinking like, you think I'm not listening to whatever it is you're saying, and so you're upset with me, but I don't think you're actually saying these things. But now that I'm a parent on the other end, I think kids are hardwired not to listen. Like, I think there's something that God built into their DNA that they wouldn't listen, so it, it teaches us something, because I found myself doing this. I'm not proud of it, I'm going to admit. I found myself doing this to my, one of my sons this past week, 
I was getting frustrated. They weren't listening. I said, are you not listening to what I'm saying? I stuck my fingers in his ear, and I went like this. I said, clean these things out. I'm not proud of it, but I did it. I'm just wondering, are our minds so clogged with noise that we can't hear what God is saying anymore? Or are we so focused on what is before us, the temporal things, that we can't hear what God is saying anymore? We have so much noise in our lives, and we become accustomed to it. We're living on on autopilot, going through the motions, going through day-to-day on autopilot, in our way of life that we no longer hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. In some sense, we're blinded to it. We just filter his voice because that's our world today, right? You snap a filter on it. Sounds better, looks better, feels better. We filter his voice like like social media filters through our preconceived notions and presuppositions or whatever we already think. You know, I think that's why the disciples missed the Jesus that was standing before them, before them saying the things he was saying and ushering in what he was ushering. They missed who he was and what he was accomplishing because they had this preconceived idea of what the Messiah should be. And so when the Messiah showed up, they're like, wait, so when's the kingdom going to come? When are we going to kind of fight? When are we going to take up our swords? And I think that's what we do with God and what we do with the voice of God is when he speaks, we just kind of filter it through our own preconceived notions and ideas. But what if what the Holy Spirit was trying to say to us wasn't actually in line with our thinking? Like, What if what God was trying to say to you was actually in contrast to what you believed God was trying to say to you? What if where he was trying to point you was a completely different path than the path that you're on? We're so used to taking things like this book and taking the things in this book, the Bible, um, and, and applying that to things we already believe. Like we want, well, this scripture suits what I believe and this scripture suits what I believe instead of allowing our beliefs to be shaped by this book. So Jesus is looking at these churches in Revelation, speaking these messages, and he's speaking to them saying, whoever has ears, hear what I have to say. Church, I really believe God has something to say. Like not just through his word, I think through the Holy Spirit, can we hear him? Like the Lord of the universe is speaking to you. Can you hear him? Think about that. The Lord of the universe who knows where it stops, who sees it all. He He sees every galaxy. He sees every solar system. He sees every star, every planet. All those other words that sound really nice, like nebula and other things that sound (laughs) space-like. He sees it all. He knows it all, and he's speaking to you. You hear him? When was the last time, follower of Jesus, I'm talking to follower of Jesus, when was the last time you could really say that I felt the Lord lead me? Or I I, I just, I, I, I heard his voice, and maybe not an audible voice, like just that inclination in your heart, that nudge, that sense. You know, I want to have ears to hear God. I want to have ears to hear God, and not what God sounds like, because the Bible says, Paul talks about this, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So Satan says things that sound like God, and Satan does things 
that is like God because he masquerades. He puts a mask on and takes on the appearance of light, right? To deceive, if possible, even God's people. Well, I shared this a few weeks ago. That's why we need discernment to know what is the difference between right and almost right because the devil just doesn't give you what's wrong. I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's voice and I want to have ears to hear and not just what makes sense and what is logical. I want to hear what he says. So how do we cultivate ears to hear? What can we do in order to train our spirit to hear the voice? And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and you've heard it before, is our biggest problem is that we can't hear God for all the noise. There's so much noise in our life. We are slaves and addicts to noise. We don't do silence well, right? You have a conversation with someone, there's silence, or you just feel awkward. You're sitting at home, and there's silence, what do you do? Turn on the television, pick out your phone, get that dopamine head again, right? Put it back in. Even though you checked everything, you're going to open it again just to make sure there's something, there might be something new there. It's like, you, know, you ever do this when you're, you need a snack? You go to the fridge, you open up the fridge, you know, you take a look in there, and then you close the fridge, and then you go to the cupboard, open up the cupboard, there's nothing there, you go back to the fridge. You, we all do it. You just checked it. There's nothing new in the fridge. There's nothing new on your phone. But we don't do silence well, right? We're trying to fill it with, with noise. And by noise, I mean anything that competes for our brain space and our attention. We are submerged in, in our culture. We are baptized in noise in our culture. And regardless of what it is, it's reduced our ability to hear. There was a joint study between the universities of Harvard and of Virginia where scientists left individuals alone in a room for 6 to 15 minutes without music without reading the material, nothing to write on, no access to their smart devices. They were left solely to their thoughts. Nothing but their thoughts. Now that sounds like, that sounds like hell to a lot of us, right? Participants ranged from 18 to 77 years old. They came from various backgrounds, but the results were the same. Most felt discomfort. They reported it was very difficult for them to concentrate during these minutes when they were left alone, even though they weren't interrupted. One-third of them couldn't complete the assignment without breaking the rule of just being silent. Because it was too hard, it was too difficult. The researchers took the, the study a step further to see whether participants would rather do something unpleasant, such as administer an electric shock, than sit alone in silence for 15 minutes. Each person was subjected to a, a similar shock in advance so they'd know exactly how painful it was and apparently it was painful. Now listen to this. One half, one half of the participants eventually pushed the button to self-administer the shock rather than sit in silence. What, what's striking about this is being alone with our thoughts for 15 minutes is so adversive that it's better to administer a painful shock that people said apparently earlier they would pay to avoid than sit in silence. We don't do silence well. It's excruciating at time. We fill it with noise. We fill it with something. And I think that is the major or one of the major culprits for us not hearing the voice of God, like hearing the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
And I think it's a strategic plan of our spiritual enemy, the devil, to stop the church from hearing the voice of God and doing what God calls us to do. Um, Erling Kagi, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, he's a Norwegian explorer. He was the first man to walk to the North Pole, the first one to walk to the South Pole and walk up Everest unassisted. So he had a lot of time alone in silence. And he had much to say on this. He said this, contrary to what I believed when I was younger, the basic state of our brain is one of chaos. The reason it took me so long to understand this is that my days often pass by on autopilot. I sleep, wake up, check my phone, shower, eat, head off to work. I work, I respond to messages, attend meetings, read and converse. My own and others' expectations of how my day is supposed to unfold guide my hours until the hour when I lie down again to sleep. Whenever I fall out of this rut and sit quietly in a room alone without any goal, without anything to look at, the chaos surfaces. It's difficult only to sit there. Multiple temptations surface. My brain, which functions so well on autopilot, is no longer helpful. It's not easy being idle when, when nothing else is going on. It is quiet and you are alone. I often choose to do anything else rather than to fill the silence with myself. I have gradually come to realize that the source of many of my problems lies precisely with this struggle. We avoid silence because we're uncomfortable with our own thoughts. I'm going to add that that's a major reason why we don't hear the Spirit of God. When was the last time you just turned off the TV? Put away your phone. Put away whatever it is that, you, that occupies your attention and just sat with God. Society is doing something about this, I think, better than the evangelical church. I, I shared this a little bit in our series on hurry. Society calls a practice that they're doing of reducing the noise mindfulness. Have you heard of it? Mindfulness? It's basically learning the art of silence and solitude without the Jesus part. And you want, you want to know something? Silence and solitude was, an, was a practice of, of Jesus. If you follow along in the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus... A practice of his was getting away, not just like annually, not just for like a treat or a vacation. Not like I've been so busy, I gotta take a vacation, guys. I'm gonna go away for a week. I got two weeks, the Lord gave me two weeks, and then I'm gonna be back. And it wasn't monthly, this was, the, was, a, was a regular thing of Jesus. Jesus went away from the noise to be alone with God, the Father. Jesus, when he began his public ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And if you remember the stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says that the heavens parted, right? And the Father spoke from heaven. This is my son who I'm well pleased. You know, the crowds are gathered. It's an exciting time. Jesus is ready. And what does the Spirit of God lead Jesus to do? Go into the wilderness to be alone. The beginning of Jesus' ministry, his public ministry, is not marked with running a race, with going and healing, with announcements. It's marked by going into a, into a wilderness to be alone with God. And it's here that, that he, he is tempted by the devil. The word desert that we read in the scriptures, that wilderness word could also mean solitary place or quiet place. And it's where Jesus goes toe-to-toe with Satan himself. He goes there to, uh, he's led by the Spirit to be alone with the Father 
and he's tempted by the devil. And this might seem backwards, right? To us, it might seem like this is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to be alone so he can flood our thoughts with negativity and discouragement. He wants us to feel lonely, and he does. He wants us to feel lonely. He wants us to believe that in the quiet places, you're by yourself. But what if the quiet place isn't a place of weakness? What if it's actually the source where we hear the voice of God and we're strengthened? So that opportunity you're looking for and you're looking for direction, maybe you'll find it in the quiet place along with God. That, that joy that you so desperately desire, that you, you numb the ache in your heart with noise. Maybe it's found in the quiet place alone with God. The clarity you need to your life, to your future, the healing that you want is found in quiet with God. And again and again, you find Jesus doing this. Let me give you some examples. Before Jesus chose the 12 disciples, he spent an entire night alone in the desert hills praying to the Father. Luke chapter 6. When he received news of John the Baptist's death, the Bible says that he withdrew from there in a boat to a solitary place. Matthew chapter 14. After miraculously feeding the 5,000, Jesus went up into the hills by himself, it tells us. Following a long night of work, early in the morning while it was still dark, it says that Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Mark chapter when the 12 returned from preaching and healing and they were excited, Jesus instructed them this. He says, come away by yourselves to a lonely place. Following the healing of a leper, Jesus, the Bible says, withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. With the inner three disciples, he saw out the silence of a lonely mountain as the stage for his transfiguration. And Jesus came out of all these places with so much clarity, strength, purpose, Next steps, he was grounded, he was in touch with God the Father, and he knew exactly what to say yes to, whom to go after, and what to do next. He could hear what the Spirit was saying. So how do we hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? We need to reduce the noise. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters has the demons rallying their cause against silence, calling the devil's realm the kingdom of noise. Saying this, we will make the whole universe a noise to the end. I invite the worship team to come. So there's a story in, in 1 Kings, in the Old Testament, of, of Elijah. Elijah had just defeated the prophets of the god Baal in a standoff between their god and Yahweh. The Lord, the Father, and the evil queen Jezebel, she hears about this, she hears what happens, and she seeks to kill Elijah, so he runs, he flees, if you remember the story. And he runs into the wilderness and actually says that he's so overcome with emotion that he prays to God to die. The Lord miraculously feeds him, he tells him to have a nap, and then he says to him, what are you doing here, as Elijah finds himself in a cave? In a mountain. Elijah says, I'm hiding. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> they're trying to kill me. It's only me, and they're trying to kill me. So God's like this. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19. I think it will be on the screen for us here. Verse 11, 13. It says, that a great and powerful wind 
tore the mountains apart, shattering the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Think about how powerful that wind must have been to shatter mountains. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the, the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Elijah could hear the voice of the Lord. He recognized where the voice came from because when he heard the gentle whisper, that's when he heard it and covered his face. And then the voice said to him, what are you doing here? God wasn't anywhere but in the whisper. It wasn't in any sound, not the mountains, not the wind, not the earthquake, not the fire, but the gentle whisper. Now, we can't hear the voice of God because we're constantly clouding our lives and our minds and our hearts and our spaces with the noise of our world. And that's not to say that God won't speak through anything else, right? That's not to say that God won't speak through loud noises. That's not to say that God doesn't use, you know, a two-by-four to knock you on the head sometimes. That doesn't say that he doesn't use circumstances of life to speak. But we can't quiet, if we can't quiet our spaces and mind enough to pause, to push aside our thoughts and listen, we may miss what he's trying to say. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And I think that the Spirit is saying something to the church right now. Revelations isn't the first place that we hear this. Jesus actually says this. Mark chapter 4, he says, whoever has ears... Let them hear. God is giving his church a call to attention. One, two, three eyes on me. Saying, are you listening? It's a warning. It's a warning. That what is being said requires thought and action. So what do we do? Imagine you're in a car. You're driving to a, a new spot, a location, a destination, whatever. You pick the spot. You got a car full of your buddies, your family, your kids, whomever. We're all chatting. The radio's going. Your favorite songs, you know, on the radio. Playing and you're jamming. It starts to rain. It starts to get darker. You know how it's sometimes a little bit harder to see when it's darker and it's raining in the car? You got the wiper blades going, but everyone's still like loving life. And all of a sudden you realize that you're going in the wrong direction. You, maybe you've made a turn or, or you've veered off and, and you're just not where you're supposed to be. And so what do you do? You've got to pull over. You've got to take a look at the GPS. But, but there's, there's so much chatter in the car and the radio is so loud that you can't focus. I don't know if you've ever done this before. What do you do? You turn down the radio. Quiet, 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 quiet. Just give me a second. Right? You tell people to be quiet. Why? So you can get clarity of thought. So you can focus in that moment on what is most important. In that moment, so you can focus on what is most important. And that's finding the right direction. And it's the same thing, people. It's the same thing with hearing the voice of God. You can go about enjoying life with all the noise. Your phone, your devices, the news. 
and miss the voice of God and be going down a path that might be the wrong direction. You might not even know it. What do you got to do? Cut it out. Turn off the news. Not telling you anything new. Like deactivate Facebook. When, when, the, when the day hits like 6 o'clock and your din, dinner's just finished, turn off your phone and put it in a different room. Like, like cut out the noise. What is your noise? I don't know. It's different for every person in the space. If you, if you want to occupy yourself, you know, maybe you're more on the other end. You're, on a, you're retired. You've got lots of time, so you fill it with stuff. Maybe just don't. Just take a moment and pause to get clarity of Maybe an hour. Would it be hard to, to give an hour? Oh, that's a long time. That's 60 whole minutes. You want me to spend an hour with God? How dare you? You know how busy I am. Maybe not an hour, 15 minutes. Because according to the study from Harvard and University, that's a long time and difficult to sit in silence. Cut it out. Turn it off. Clear up your mind to listen and pray to God. Don't just ask him for things, but pray for him to speak and for you to hear clearly. In a world where we're always trying to add stuff to our lives, subtraction might be the most powerful tool right now. What am I trying to say? Is just stop. Pause. Make it a practice. Cut out the noise and listen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.